1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
2: I give the talk and there's just silence in the room. And then some of our close friends came up to us afterwards and said, that's a crazy idea that'll go nowhere. They're actually some of the largest users now.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. This episode is brought to you by Fab Fit Fun. Jill, are you taking another snack break?
0: Um, no, I'm unboxing. I'm digging into our very own Fab Fit Fun box.
1: Oh, those are the ones I was seeing all over
0: celebrity Instagrams. Well, you know I'm a huge reality TV fan, and all my faves from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like Lisa Vanderpump, they are always opening these on their Instagram.
1: Well, you know I don't follow reality television, but I do know that FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. Never mind those rinky-dink samples. Let's see what's in there. Give it up. So this is their spring editor's box. Oh, my God.
0: I'm totally taking dibs on the Kate Somerville exfoliate. Oh. It's the exfoliating treatment.
1: And oh my God, there's this really cute striped tote. Fine. I'm 100% scooping up this Free People Starry Eye Travel Eye Mask. Oh, it's really cute. And since I just got a fresh bleach job, I'm all over this Briogeo Deep Conditioning Hair Mask. It can be yours for $49.99 US dollars, but it always has a retail value of more than $200. And Breaking Beauty listeners can use the coupon code BEAUTY, that's BEAUTY, For $10 off your first box,
0: visit fabfitfun.com and get your own box of pretty treats today. Hey guys, it's Carlene and Jill. We've got a doozy of an episode today. Mm -hmm. Very excited and welcome to any new listeners we may have. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that we had a little bit of media across the pond to report, so that's... A huge welcome to anybody who heard about us through luk.com or from Stylist Magazine. Thanks for joining us.
1: In this episode, we're talking to a founder unlike anyone else we've spoken to so far. Her name is Dr. Jean Carruthers, and she and her husband, Dr. Alistair Carruthers, are considered the pioneers of Botox, as most of us know it today. This is huge. We have been wanting to get these two on our
0: show for a while because Frankly, they're going to go down in the history books for changing the face of beauty quite literally. And we have with us today, Dr. Jean
1: Carruthers. Just to be clear, the Carruthers did not invent Botox, but what they are credited for is pioneering the discovery of its cosmetic use. So to break this down real quick, Botox is a neurotoxin, which essentially blocks the transmission of nerve impulses to muscles. And that's what sort of paralyzes it, for lack of a better word. Smooth. S- I yeah, like to say sure. smoothing. So <laughs> while Botox was already being used medically to treat eye spasms, they were the ones to first notice that Botox also had an amazing wrinkle-relaxing side effect. And they went on the journey of getting that approved by Health Canada first in 2001 and the FDA, which they did successfully in 2002. So
0: our goal today, it's not only to get the backstory, but... We're going to answer all of your burning questions about it too. I know we get a lot of DMs about Botox Mm -hmm. and personal questions from our friends. Yeah. and like, is it right for me? Is essentially what everybody Mm -hmm. wants to know. Other things that come up all the time are, how much does it cost? Am I going to look frozen? Yeah. Um, And of course, the question that we get most often is, is it safe? That's right. So stay tuned. There's a lot to unpack and we're going to do our very best to do that today.
1: Here's the thing. We're all about bringing you the damn goods and the best-selling products, and usually it's something you can go and buy at Ulta or Sephora and be able to hold in your hand. Um, And of course, that's not the case with Botox, but nonetheless, it is no doubt a bestseller.
0: Well, I would give it a hug if I could. (laughs) In 2016, it generated nearly $2.8 US dollars of revenue worldwide. Yeah, yeah. And remember a couple of years ago, Carlene, you wrote a feature story about getting
1: Botox for the first time. About, Can you disclose how old were you I when sure you first did.
0: first got Botox? It was
1: right around the time I turned 40. No coincidence, I'm sure. <laughs> and tell us about what happened. Like, were you nervous? And... I was very nervous. I was nervous I was going to look like a cat lady. Yeah, fair concern. Yeah. And I really wanted a very natural look. I went to Dr. Noel Solish. In Toronto, and you had a friend go with you, I think. Yeah, Victoria Radford. Oh, hi, Victoria. (laughs) She um, has a makeup line, Radford Cosmetics, and she's an amazing facialist. And she just was like, "I'm going to hold your hand. You have nothing to worry about. You can trust this person." And um, and he was amazing. I had a mini brow lift, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a series of needles all along the top of your brow that just gives you like a millimeter lift. Yeah. evenly across. And it was just perfect for me because it was a very natural look. Um, And yeah, I kind of joked afterwards. I was like, just throw away all your beauty products. All you need is a Botox and a bar of soap and you're good to go. Yeah, right. I was mostly joking.
0: But I think what you were speaking to
1: is the incredible results. Absolutely. It was the transformational quality. Like to get that instant gratification was just surely the way that women felt the first time they ever put on red lipstick Yeah, exactly. years ago. It was just like, whoa, things will never be the same. And then you inspired me to go to Dr. Solish as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Mm -hmm. And
0: I've also had great experiences with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I get a very similar thing done. Just a little lifting, smoothing out of the forehead lines. I don't Uh. have a ton of wrinkles, but um, I do have kind of a frown wrinkles that can be kind of intense. So he just Mm -hmm. smooths all of those away. Does not hurt at all. Yeah. Um, Love him for it. But
1: then. Truth be told, though, I haven't had it done since then so that's been about three years and the reason is because it's just too expensive yeah you know it's 500 to a thousand dollars a pop yeah you know you're in theory supposed to go back every three to six months when the results start to wane which can differ depending on your metabolism Mm -hmm. and how your muscles are you know it's different by individual but that's too expensive for me. Like yeah. I'd ra- I I want to buy shoes. And it's an investment in my face, guys. Yeah, and I just <laughs> you know I do like using makeup and yeah. skincare and all that. So mm-hmm. to each their own, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's nice to know it's there. Yeah, and it's as ubiquitous for
0: some people as booking your highlights appointment. You get your yeah. inject your Botox, your Bobo top up. You get your highlights so done. People, yeah. You get your nails did. Like exactly. It's just
1: become part of the beauty vernacular. So did you get it done again? I did. Okay. So I I got it done yesterday and we kind of saved this till today I didn't want to reveal too much but I did get it done yesterday I went to a different place okay it's called Miracle 10 mm-hmm. it's in Yorkville I'm going to disclose right now I did not pay for this mm-hmm. um, it was a media sort of event to come and check out the yep. place and it was different practitioner, very different experience. Okay. You know, um, this time I had a nurse instead of a derm. Mm -hmm. Fine, great. Young woman, very sweet. And I and I told her, you know, I was expecting to have that same kind of mini brow lift. And she was like, no, we don't really do that so much here. That's like an old school way of doing things. Interesting. I know. I was surprised by that. And so she was like, All you need is one little prick on each side. Mm -hmm. And she you know, I have a bit of asymmetry. One so each side around your eye. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So I have um, hooded eyelids. Okay. And of course, as I get older, they sag more. And one side slopes a bit more than the other. So... Same thing. Dr. Solish was able to just mm-hmm. even it out. And so she gave me like six CCs on one side and five on the other. Kay. So like not a lot from mm-hmm. my understanding. Yeah. I'll know in two weeks. Yeah. I can't wait to see. You That'll know? be, I'll But be- it will be a different effect, I think. Yeah, Where she put it was just at the bottom of my eyebrow. Mm-hmm. So like, like if the tip. Yeah. So if you were to do a cat eye and mm-hmm. like lift it up, it's sort of like that. So I'm like, hmm, we'll mm-hmm. see. That's interesting. Yeah. And you also. So went to somebody new. Yeah, I did.
0: When I was in Vancouver interviewing Dr. Jean Carruthers, I went to her office and I got injected with Botox by the OG, Dr. Jean Carruthers. Mm-hmm. Um, I did pay for this. Yeah, we're gonna put a whole video of our experiences in our Breaking Beauty podcast chat room close group. Do not share it, everybody. <laughs> and I have to apologize in advance. I'm like chewing gum. Sorry, <laughs> didn't want to be breathing my lunch on Dr. Carruthers. Um, well,
1: I think we should give our listeners a sneak peek.
2: Oh, yeah, Let's we drop should. It. Okay. Let's drop it.
0: Let's hear it now.
2: So okay. that will lift you up and be 35 units. Okay. And that will give you, in within the next day to two days, mm-hmm. you'll have that. Cool. The full effect will be there in five to seven days. Yeah. And then you can see how much more fresh and open the expression mm-hmm. lifting you yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Very nice.
0: So would you say that the previous treatment that I had has pretty much worn off now? I think
2: it's getting there. Yeah. And actually that means that you're ideal because mm-hmm. you haven't let it crash and burn. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the thing that's beautiful is that you get some collagen remodeling mm-hmm. in here. Uh, if you don't keep frowning it, it's like ironing. Right. Ironing a hem. Right. And then you want to let the skirt down can't get rid of it. Right, right. Yeah. So it's the same Makes thing. Makes sense. Yeah. So we just do a little bit of, Just um, put one in here in the, in the center right here. Mm-hmm. You okay? Mm-hmm. And you just feel a little, little bit of pressure. As mm-hmm. it comes in and how's that. Fine. Didn't
1: feel it. Okay. That was awesome. She's so like relaxing. She's like the Botox whisperer voice. Yeah. I know. It's like calming. Yeah. And just like a bit of massaging. Sounds like an amazing experience. It really
0: was. And I think that I had 30, 32 units Mm -hmm. put in my forehead, which is like I think a slight bit more than average um, mm-hmm. because I have really strong muscles apparently, mm-hmm. but it can cost anywhere from $16 to $18 per
1: mm-hmm. unit mm-hmm. unless you're getting a Groupon somewhere, which mm-hmm. I do not recommend. No. And I think the point is though, if it's a word of mouth and you know somebody who's been, yeah, I think that's the best scenario. Yeah. And Dr. Carruthers said the magic word to me, which was
0: that she under treats. Yes. People a, that is. And magic so in and sh- and like nobody has ever in all the few times that I've done it, no one's ever noticed that I've gotten Botox. And I think that that
1: is mm-hmm. a testament to really great work girl you got made you have yeah. beauty history <laughs> in in your veins now yeah so wow it settled pretty well I yeah. think it yeah. doesn't
0: look um doesn't no look it looks done. it
1: looks great yeah and I mean the thing today is that there are so many uses for Botox yeah. you know some of it is vanity and I think a lot of us know about some of the other uses like to treat migraine headaches and to stop underarm sweating But right now, there's been recent articles about young women using Botox to treat oiliness. And that's something we did ask Dr. Carruthers. We're going to get to that. Did you know you can even uncross eyes with Botox? Yeah, that's life changing. mm
0: -hmm. And there's something that blew my mind and stick around for it when she's talking about how Botox is actually in clinical trials right now to treat
1: depression. Yeah. Yeah. That is just game changing Mm -hmm. also. Lots to unpack here. It's true. But some skepticism remains. Of course. You know, we put the question to Dr. Alouche from our Biologique Recherche episode. And we thought, you know, he's a medical doctor. He literally used to, he he was a trained surgeon. We were like, he's going to be into Botox. Yeah. And he was like, no, I'm not for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also partially the French aesthetic, but... uh... And we did ask Dr. Crother some of those tough questions, but they are truly the authorities on the topic. They've trained hundreds of physicians in how to do it, how to do it well. They've written almost 300 peer-reviewed papers on the subject. After all that they have achieved... They never got rich from
0: discovering Botox for cosmetics use, and Mm. we're going to hear more about that later. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to hear about Dr. Carruthers, her predictions on what the next phase or the next wave of Botox innovation will look like in the not-so-distant
1: future. But first, the backstory on Dr. Jean Carruthers herself, before she became the mother of all beauty products.
2: My name is Jean Carruthers. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I was fortunate enough to find the cosmetic application for botulinum toxin A. After World War II, my parents moved from England to Manitoba, and I think it's It was one of those things where they had been thinking of leaving in England and going somewhere else for some time, and Canada looked perfect to them. Then, uh, I guess when I was around three, we moved, our family moved to Calgary. Uh, We actually used to board horses on a farm, and every weekend our family would go out and ride the horses and care for them. It was wonderful. I used to make myself up, and I used to wear high heels, and uh, I was just a typical teenage girl. Um, I love looking after my skin, and in those days, I thought it was beautiful to have a bit of a tan, so I had a sun lamp. It just makes me cringe now to think what I did to my skin in those days.
1: You went to university
2: at a very young age, too. Tell us about that. It was partly because there was um, an, a, a coincidence, if you will, that grade 12 in Alberta was seen to be the equivalent of, of first-year university here in British Columbia. So I went from grade 12, Alberta, into second year Honest Chemistry at UBC. I was 16. I was really very shy. You'd never know it now, but I was so much younger than everybody else.
0: Both of your parents were doctors. Did that factor into your decision to pursue medicine?
2: Oh, I thought that being a physician was wonderful. My mother was a a diagnostic radiologist, and my father was a professor of pathology. And I knew that I would never do anything that didn't involve people, because I love people. I knew a lot about uh, the human body and what can go wrong with it, just from conversations at home. I actually wanted to be a surgeon, uh, because I wanted to make people better. And initially, I wanted to do uh, orthopedics, because I could have done hand surgery. But as I got a little further along in medical school, I realized that if I ever wanted to get married and have a family, which I also wanted to do, that the orthopedic surgeons work amazing hours, and it's all the time that you would be at home with your family, nights and weekends. They're still working. They work all day too. So that would be for a woman um, wanting to have children you'd have to make a choice, I think. Uh, But I mean, maybe nowadays, if you could afford to have two or three nannies, you could do it.
1: That's the thing with women pursuing careers. There's always that choice to make. How many women were in your med school class at that time?
2: I was one of 12. We had a class of 60. So uh, that's 20% of the class. And now the classes are much bigger, uh, over 100, 120 kids. And It's over 50% are female. On my first day in medical school, one of my uh, new classmates came up to me and he said, you do realize you've taken the place of a man. And, you know, with my parents both being physicians, I had never encountered any thought that it wasn't right for a woman to do medicine. But when you get that kind of a reaction uh, from somebody, you just realize you have to really, really prove yourself.
0: Your husband, Dr. Alistair Cruthers, he is, of course,
2: also in the field of medicine. Tell us about how the two of you met. Oh, I met him at uh, Vancouver General Hospital. I was a med- what was called an MSI, a medical student intern, a fourth-year medical student, and he had graduated from University in Oxford in England and come over to do a an internship at Vancouver General Hospital. It was actually a gathering called Weepers, which we had. Every Friday night in the nurse's residence. And it was called Weepers because everybody got there with, and got a beer and uh, talked about what they'd experienced during the week. And so uh, that was how I met him at, at Weepers one night.
0: Let's take everybody back to that defining moment in your career. How did you stumble upon the cosmetic use of Botox?
2: It was one of my patients. That was back in about 87. She had a, a condition called blepharospasm. And that's where there it's a dystonia. These people, they're really incapacitated by it. Their eyes are spasm shut. Their faces contort. Their shoulders and necks and arms can contort as well. And it's a very difficult uh, condition to have if you want to live life, drive a car, earn a living, raise a family. So you can restore these people to normal sighted life with injections around the eyes to stop the spasming lids. And you treat them elsewhere as well. So it was one of those patients. She got angry at me and she said, you didn't treat me here. And she was pointing at the inner ends of my eyebrows. And I apologized and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't I would have treated you, but I didn't think you were spasming there. And she said, I know I'm not spasming there, but every time you treat me there, I get this beautiful, untroubled expression. And so that's when the light bulb went off.
1: So now you've got the idea. You start an initial research study. What's the reaction you're getting from people?
2: Everybody says, yeah, but that's a poison. And it's like anything else is a poison. If you give somebody a wheelbarrow full of it, but if you're giving a really you know measured, and you know exactly how much you're putting in it, the proper amount, it's a drug. So it just took time, and then I, I got finally smart, and I had some very good frown lines. And so uh, we treated me. And that was it. You know, people would say, yes, that's a poison, isn't it? And I'd say, yes, it is in huge doses. It's a poison. But it's actually very helpful cosmetically for exactly this issue. And I had my pictures of before, and they could see the after. And they say, okay, do it. It must be safe. And after we'd done that first um, study, we wrote it up, and we, I gave the paper at the American Society for Dermatologic Surgery. So it was 87 that um, we started the study. Yes, so it was 91 uh, that we were supposed to give the talk but I think it was actually 92. And I, I give the talk and there's just silence in the room. And then some of our close friends came up to us afterwards and said, that's a crazy idea that'll go nowhere. And it, they're, they're actually some of the largest users now. It's a, ch- a question of reframing something. You, know, you, you have to take the frame away from this is a dangerous poison to this is a marvelous new drug. And the only way you can do that is to show it's safe. They were all quite skeptical about it. And so the thing is that there's always, in, in, in terms of a new idea, there's always the early adopters, and there's always the, the laggards. So the early adopters were really interested in it. So we got, started getting invited all over the world to speak about our experience. So that's how we helped to get launched in Mexico and in South America, particularly Brazil. I know you would often refer
0: to a patient zero when you would present the Botox research to your peers. Who was
2: that? The patient zero was Kathy Bickerton who was our receptionist at the time. And Kathy had the deepest frown lines uh, that um, by the end of the day were really, really deep. And, but she had had now several years of seeing me treating these people with blepharospasm and with misaligned eyes. strabismus. always polite, always grateful, always on time, always nice to her. And it, because it made such a difference to them. And so When we said, Kathy, would you like us to treat your frown line? She said, sure, whatever. And that's when, two days later, you can really see the difference.
1: And so, when did Botox finally catch on?
2: I would say in the early 90s. They got very excited about it. Uh, And the trickle-down effect of it being seen as being very safe in the cosmetic world, we're almost getting to a tipping point now because there is... estimated uh, 3 million uh, people in the United States have been treated now but it's estimated there are 30 million who would like to be treated but are not quite sure about it. It takes a generation or two generations for a society to say oh that's a reasonable good thing.
0: If Botox were like any other beauty product out there you would probably be earning a profit from every unit ever injected but that's not quite the story
2: here. I did try to patent it. I took it to a law firm here and uh, in Vancouver, and they said, well, I, I'm not sure. So I'll send you to a law firm in Toronto. So I got an opinion from a lawyer at a big firm in Toronto that, um, nah, it's not really any different to uh, blepharospasm treatments, it's not patentable. How wrong, Uh, if I had seen the future, I would certainly have gone to other lawyers. I thought that it was going to change everybody's life. I thought it was going to change the way everybody ages. Because you can then insert choice into people's aging trajectory. So if you can choose how you would like to look, how good is that? I think that's, that's one of the very special things it's done. It lifts the eyebrows, it smooths the skin, it gives you, uh, you can recontour different areas of the face, not just the upper face, but also the lower face, and more recently, the neck. It, it is truly something that does, it's not permanent, so if you want to try it, you can, you can let it wear off, or you can keep on having the treatments if, if this is something that appeals to you. So that was much more what I was thinking about rather than the money. So tell me, how did Allergan own the rights of Botox for cosmetic use, even though you discovered it? In the late 80s, we offered to buy it, Botox from Allergan. It was an orphan drug. An orphan drug is one that's only used 20,000 times a year. Uh, And they refused to sell it to us. It was very smart of them. But it's okay. I've had another patent and, and they've bought that from me, the lower face treatments.
1: Now for the big question, and this is probably the number one thing that we get asked all the time about Botox. Is it really safe?
2: So how do I know it's safe is because we've used um, really quite small doses over the years in very healthy people. And we know that we've gone up in the doses considerably when we've had to treat things like cervical dystonia and you can get up into very high doses there, and they're still safe. You need to know where you get this neuromodulator from because there, it is available on the Internet. But there is a study done by Andy Pickett from London looking at a number of vials that he bought on the Internet and then analyzed to see how much was in the vials. And it went from zero in some vials to 280 units in a vial with these very potent and very successful drugs you need the government regulatory bodies to make sure that that company is licensed to make that product that much in the vial and this is something that you can trust
0: the new york times ran an article recently and the headline was and i quote botox for camels at saudi arabia beauty pageant that's a big (laughs) no-no do you ever read headlines or see pictures on social media
2: and think what have I done? It's a question of education, isn't it? Uh, because the the an individual, the physician doing the treatments, needs to understand what the individual, the, the subject, wishes to, to achieve and needs to understand their facial anatomy so that they can wield the injection sites to give that individual what they want. And so just doing a kooky other thing, oh, this is what we do, uh, Everybody's face is a little different. Everybody's muscles are a slightly different size. Everybody's aesthetic wishes are slightly different. So it's a question of sitting and listening and watching your patient as they animate and seeing what you need to do to give them what they want. That takes time. That takes experience. Sometimes you see results like very uneven brows or brows that have been commonest as the brows are dropped down to here by people who have been trying to treat the horizontal forehead lines. Um, There's a whole group of um, great results out there, though. I mean, just beautiful results. Subtle, well done, uh, slightly undercorrected, always looks natural.
1: A recent LUK article noted that the maker of Botox, Allergan, is studying Botox for depression and are now in phase three of the clinical trials and in the final phase for FDA approval in the U.S. Do you know anything about this
2: development? Oh, very much so. It's very exciting. Depression is such a dreadful condition to live with. And in the initial study, which was done by Eric Finzi, who's a derm surgeon in the States, he showed that 90% of the women who were clinically depressed on a, you know, a measured depression scale uh, were so much better. I mean, that's, that's really something. That's a wonderful result. And those results have been studied again and again uh, in, um, in Wales, in South America, in uh, Switzerland, and now in the States. So there's the question is, is it the feedback hypothesis? which is probably part of it. You know, if somebody's glowering at you, you're probably going to glower back at them. If they look at you with a nice, sweet expression, you're probably you know, going to mirror that back Mm -hmm. to them. Um, But I think that it, it goes back to some studies that come out of Padua in 2006, where they showed with injecting research neuromodulator into the whisker area of rats that you could find the neuromodulator back in the brain. It actually, I think goes trans synaptically uh, t- back into the brain and that has been shown in uh, a secondary way by Anne blood who is uh, a, rese- a neuro researcher at Harvard uh, with a, s- a condition with a study method called diffusion ten- tensor imaging and you can show with dis- people with dystonia and you treat their face with neuromodulator that their diffusion tensor imaging results come up to normal. So if something's happening in the brain. So I think that's how it's working. But obviously, the details haven't been worked out yet. We were talking about
1: this earlier, and Fashionista.com recently did a story on off-label Botox use and how it's gaining in popularity. For example, it's being used to treat
2: oiliness in younger women. What's your take on that? Well, I think that a topical neuromodulator will be fabulous for you know, adolescent acne, adult acne, rosacea, you know, it's it's such a wonderful thing. There are two products that, um, there's the Revance product, which is to- the topical, RT-001, and also there's an, another product that Allergan uh, have been looking at, another topical, uh, but neither of them are commercially available at the present time, but I think it's an absolute winner.
0: Speaking of younger women, when I was in the office with Dr. Jean, I wanted to ask her about how young is too young to get Botox, and let's hear what she had to say.
2: Well, I think that we see it quite often mm-hmm. in families mm-hmm. where a girl will come in and she says, "I think I'm starting to look like my mother," and so we, you know, she shows us pictures and we can see what she means. Mm-hmm. And as long as she's a, an, an adult age, Mm -hmm. you know, over 18, the age of maturity, uh, then she can, of course, choose to do that. It is a personal decision, though. It's not something that, you know, your your relative would say to you, you must, at age 18, start having Botox Mm -hmm. because we don't want you to look like your mother. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not how it goes. This is very much driven by the individual. Mm -hmm. It's nobody else's business.
1: What do you think about all the topical creams that claim to be Botox in a bottle or Revance said to launch in 2020? It's positioning itself as better than Botox.
2: Well, it, it can't get through the skin. The molecule is 150 kilodaltons. It's big. So in order to get it through the skin, you either have to use something like reverse transcriptase, which is what the Revance product has done, or... You have to use um, uh, another mechanism, which is what the Allergan product has done. Neither of those products have been fully studied uh, up through phase three in order to apply to be used. You've got to realize that if you were to approve those topical products, what's to stop people rubbing it everywhere? Mm -hmm. And you know, you could imagine that people could damage, you know, could rub enough on that they could actually damage their um, ability to swallow for example which would be a, a big health issue so there's that second step how are you going to make sure it's safe when people are applying it themselves
0: there's another beauty podcast out there fat mascara shout out to those ladies and they had a dermatologist on their show not too long ago that is Dr. Patricia Wexler. She's a pioneer using Botox in her practice in New York City, and she was discussing the effects of repeated long-term Botox use, and specifically how they're discovering now in autopsies and on cadavers that the muscles have atrophied where they've used Botox repeatedly for a long period of time. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: That's what you want, it, you know. And if you stop doing it, then it will grow back up again. When you are trying to alter the function of a muscle and you're blocking the motor end plates using the neuromodulator that's exactly what you would expect is that the muscle that isn't used tends to tends to get less uh, volume a muscle that is used all the time I mean look at us with all our muscles that we for walking and I mean we've got big muscles but if you were to be laid up in a cast for six weeks, your muscles, if you've ever broken your leg, your muscles vanish. And it's no different.
0: Apparently, there's a new version of Botox that's, that's about to hit the market. I've recently read about that. Is there any information
2: that you can share? The neuromodulator you're referring to is called Daxibotulinum toxin A. And uh, we've been doing phase two and now phase three studies. Uh, on it. And uh, it is a very exciting product. In the Belmont study, uh, it was a a five-site Canadian study, and we looked at 20 units, uh, 20, 40, and 60 units of Daxibotulinum versus 20 units of botulinum toxin A, Botox, versus placebo, which was saline. And uh, it was very interesting to see that the a 40-unit group, this was mainly women, uh, the 40-unit group uh, lasted much longer, uh, lasted six months rather than the uh, 12 to 16 weeks for the Botox. Now that fits in beautifully with people getting fillers. You know, sort of like every six months is is, is a nice uh, coordination. Just We're uh, just going to be so exciting to see what the results of the current multi-center phase three study are with the Daxibotulinum toxin. Then they'll go um, to the FDA and Health Canada for approval.
1: You've been quoted saying that Botox is this generation's penicillin, and apparently there are nearly 700 different uses now. What's next for Botox?
2: You can take it to pieces and use, use the vehicle part, the the heavy chain, to bring drugs into other cells. So could you treat diabetes? Could you use it as a spray, an inhaler, to treat people's asthma? Could you use it to to treat other things that you do surgery for now? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. There have been studies done in both uh, China and in Turkey using injecting the prostate gland in men. Uh, Because as men age, their prostate tends to enlarge and to block the flow of urine. So you can actually reduce the size of the prostate. You can reduce sweat glands uh, all over the body. You can stop people having, there's a condition called silaria, where you, your, your salivary glands just are producing way too much. Uh, you can reduce down to normal the salivary secretion. We're really just beginning to understand this, this amazing molecule. You've
0: talked a lot about the life-changing impact of this invention of Botox for cosmetic use. Can you recall one particular patient or one particular instance where you saw the powers of it transform somebody's day-to-day life?
2: It's one of my early patients. He came in to the office. He's led by the hand by his wife. His eyes wouldn't open. His face was contorted. And he was an intelligent man, uh, and he still wanted to work. And so uh, I treated him, and a week later he sent me a picture of himself driving his red sports car. So he'd gone from being essentially functionally blind to being a normal person again, night and day thanks for tuning in. Visit breakingbeauty.ca to sign up for our
1: newsletter and every episode will be delivered direct to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And be sure to subscribe to us. There's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you're up for it, show your love by writing a review in iTunes.